Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have another special guest coming all the way from England is Catherine, a nervous system expert. I love this. My mom could have really used your help, Catherine, when when I was like second grade. (laughs) Her nervous system was crazy, and I, I still remember it to this day. Her purpose, Catherine's purpose, is to be by the side of her clients providing personalized coaching and education to empower them on a profound journey of healing and expansion. She provides the safety needed for deep transformative journeys that enable her clients to create the life, business, and relationship with money they always have dreamed of. I love that. I love dreaming. Is dreaming one of your favorite things to do, Catherine? I would say it's kind of like visioning, right? Like being able to kind of uh, create the space for new realities to emerge. And the way in which we do that on the level of the nervous system is by creating enough safety, right? So that we can access part of the nervous system, which is all about expansion, which is all about creativity, possibility, hope, joy, love, like all of those like amazing things that we want to be connected to all the time. It actually exists as a kind of um, physiological state and place within the nervous system. I love that. That's beautiful. I know I grew up with a family that was very high energy, very nervous, high strung, we used to say. Like everyone mm. was high strung and especially when it comes came around to finances. You know, my mom was a single mom raising four kids. She was an entrepreneur and she was always nervous about money. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you growing up with money? What was the energy like? Oh, it was just not talked about. Mm. It was like another one of those big secrets. You know, I mean, obviously, like the English culture is a little bit different from the UK and from the culture in the States. Like there's so much kind of shame here. And it's like there are things which we just don't talk about. And money was one of them. Right. It was just the dirty secret. I never heard anyone say money was a dirty secret. (laughs) Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it was just the thing that wasn't spoken about. I mean, there were many things that weren't spoken about sex as well. But money, you know, was certainly the thing that was coupled with so much shame, right? Shame for not having enough, right? Mm -hmm. Or shame from having too much, right? Both of those exist. And so in my family, it was more like the shame of not having enough. 
the shame of being kind of closer to the survival end of the spectrum rather than the thriving end of the spectrum. And if I look back generationally, you know, my my great grandparents were living in poverty. Mm. You know, my my great grandfather on my father's side was a, a Welsh coal miner, right? And and for for the American audience, you know, that was a hard life to have, right? They lived in a tiny little cottage in the Welsh valleys where the weather is terrible. And he was just down the coal mine, right? Mm. And then on my mother's side, my grandfather, he was a preacher. But he was also like a scrap merchant. So he dealt with like buying and selling scrap metal, right? It wasn't a kind of lucrative career that he had. It was like, you know, both of them were in a place of um, survival, subsistence living. Mm. And so that that frequency around money has been passed on through the DNA into my, you know, into my grandparents, into my parents, and down to me. So there's been a lot of unpacking I've had to do around uh, what's been passed down to me, the beliefs, the attitude, the felt sense of the relationship to money. So many layers to peel back there. (laughs) So many layers. It's a lifelong process. Yeah. People think it's one and done. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to solve this issue. I'm going to, you know, like I'm, we're all about dating money, partnering with money. Um, but people don't understand that every single day you have to take action. What was one of the very first things you did to peel back these layers and rewrite your money story? It was really coming into like a level of acceptance that my relationship with money had been seriously impacted by the trauma I'd experienced in my life. And whilst I'd done a lot of unpacking of trauma in the context of like relationships, sexuality, money was like one of the last things I came to because it felt so much shame. There was so much shame there. It was just like literally kind of like shrinking and cringing as I came into relationship with it to the point where whenever I came into relationship with my finances, like if I was going into my budget, I was going into spreadsheets, I would check out, like literally the numbers would swim across the page. And I would just feel super overwhelmed. And so I kind of began to see that these were like nervous system patterns playing out. And I realized that, well, if I applied the same principles to the healing I'd done already around my relationship to other um, aspects of my life, then I could apply the same principles to my relationship with money. And that was like a big turning point. That was really empowering to be in that place. Like, oh, hold on a minute. I've actually got the tools here Mm -hmm. to start doing this a little bit differently. And I think like there was a real acknowledgement that historically I'd had the the white in night shining armor is going to come and save me Mm -hmm. story was playing, right? Yeah. One day that's going to happen. And and it never did, right? <laughs> but he didn't show up. And so, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to take responsibility for this. No one's going to save me, right? Mm-hmm. This is down to me. And again, that required quite a lot of thawing out in my nervous system to enable me to feel like, oh, I can take action instead of just feeling totally overwhelmed every time I came into the money relationship. Yeah. And coming to that realization makes a big difference. And a lot of people know that, but they don't take the action to make the change. And, you know, one of the things that I do with my clients in wealth activation is to rewire the, the patterns 
you know, because you, you, once you have this pattern established, it sneaks back up. Even if you do have the tools to change it, you'll get triggered, right? And then it's like, oh, what do I need to do? And replacing it, I found it very helpful to replace that behavior with a different behavior, with a different belief to yeah. help through that. You mentioned shame around money. So mm. would you describe your relationship with money as you were growing up and how it matured and how you're, when you implement your tools, how it's transforming into something other than shame? Yeah, absolutely. You see, it wasn't a consistent shame-based relationship. You know, there were times when, you know, especially when I was a teenager and I had a little job, you know, a Saturday job, and I'd be like, oh, look, I've saved all this money up, right? And so there were times when I was like, I could access money and hold money. But then really where it started to kind of get really tricky was when I went to university and I was self-funding um, at that time. And the numbers just didn't add up, right? <laughs> Whatever was coming in, it was just like, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I got into debt um, over the four years I was at university. And that felt like something was snowballing out of my control. And on some level, it felt like, like money didn't love me. Money didn't have my back. Money wasn't consistent. Money wasn't available there must be something wrong with me because, oh, look, those people over there, they have access to it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the shame is, you know, coupled with the, or it arises from the belief and the embodied belief that inherently something was wrong with me. And that's why I didn't have access to it. So there was like a lot of like, you know, literally hiding. Like, I don't want to go near that topic because it's going to make me feel really unworthy you know I'd, I'd struggled in my career despite having a first class degree which is like the highest level you can get despite having a, a postgraduate master's degree right I struggled to make an income in whatever work that I did because this inherent sense of unworthiness was just crippling me Wow. Yeah. And I've seen that a lot. I've talked to a lot of ladies throughout my, I mean, I've been doing finance and insurance since 1987. And one of the common things I see is a lot of ladies have these credentials. They have all these things to back them up. They're so worthy and they've, they've high achievers, right? They've strived to make the accomplishments, get the goals, get the certificate certifications, the masters, the PhDs, but yet they still don't feel connected. They still feel this unworthy feeling and this thing of, I need to make more. I have to raise the bar. Mm -hmm. And even though they were making six, seven figures, they didn't feel like they were making six or seven figures. Mm -hmm. Did you have that same experience? You're shaking your head. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't earning six or seven figures, but you know, whatever I was receiving, there was just a sense of it never being enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that sense of not enoughness, actually, what I now understand is that that maps onto like early developmental trauma, mm. where my needs were not consistently met, right, when I was growing up, for various reasons. Um, but there was like inconsistency. And due to that inconsistency, I, I didn't develop the capacity to receive. Mm. Right? So whether it was like love or money or whatever it was, they just I, I just didn't know how to receive it. So I had like these um, earning limits, 
right? It's like, oh, I, I could like earn a little bit more, but it was like fractions more, you know, and I'd have, I'd, and, and the other belief was that, and to earn that little bit more, I was going to have to work really, 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 really hard, mm. right? And, you know, be, be kind of deeply rooted within that hustle culture. And when I look back ancestrally, I've got a picture of like my great grandmother here stuck to my computer. And, you know, if I look at her, you know, she, she was one of those women who like she survived, like she made it work, but man, did she work really, really, really hard mm-hmm. to in order that survival, to ensure that survival. And so I was still kind of playing that story out. Gotta work really, really hard, and you're still not gonna get enough. Yeah. You're and you're gonna be like too small. Yeah. And replaying that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the more. I, I sense that the more that you strive for it, the more deprived you felt. Is that correct? Yes. And what also happened is the more I strived for it, the more depleted I became. Mm-hmm. Because then there's this other piece that, you know, as women, we have cyclic bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not meant to be full power every single day of the month. We're meant to pause. We're meant to rest. And... But I wasn't aware of that. So I was going full power all the time, all the time. Do more, do more, do more, strive, push. I mean, I was literally the hamster in the wheel, right, Mm -hmm. spinning around. And it wasn't until I got to perimenopause, which happened to me in my very early 40s, that I was like, oh, wow, I've arrived at this threshold completely burnt out. Because I've been in that hamster wheel, trying to make it all work, trying to make it all work. And it was quite a brutal awakening that I had at that time. You know, it was like, you have to do this differently. It wasn't like, oh, maybe you can do it differently. It was like, uh uh-uh, like this has to change right now. Mm -hmm. This is a possibility to continue in the way that you have been. And, you know, what, what I see is, you know, part of my passion is communicating to women who are either before that threshold or at that threshold and to support them to do it differently to have access to have more access to wealth so they can navigate these like life initiations with way more ease yes you know if someone had said to me hey you're going to need to have like ten thousand pounds in the bank to pay for all of the kind of like acupuncture and therapy and everything else that you're going to need as you go through like perimenopause you know if I'd known that information well probably what I'd have done is just been the hamster in the wheel and worked even harder right but if someone had said to me hey you're going to need to do like all this healing work so that you can earn more more money so you can make this transition much easier for yourself if someone had said that to me when I was like 30 Wow, what a difference that would have made. Yeah, and and, and sharing that, because like I, I was thinking one of my clients is nearly 30 and I look at her and I'm like, it's so awesome that you are doing this work now and cre- you know, creating this partnership with money and setting aside money for your future because this is just going to help you. And you know, we're working through some of the things um, that some of the blockers that she has and a lot of it has to do with her family and she had just came back from Europe after spending a couple of weeks with her family and her energy was completely different and the self-doubt and the, the self, the unworthiness just resurfaced, even though we had done so much work around it. I'm like, this is awesome. This is, this is beautiful because you're aware of it now. And now you have the tools to be able to 
redirecting. Mm -hmm. And it is a beautiful thing when we can do that, when we can realize it and understanding that this is brought through up through our DNA. As you said, people were afraid to talk about money. I mean, in our households, they screamed and yelled and complained about money. And that was it. There was never these calm conversations about okay, this is what happens when you get paid. We, we take your money and we make sure like, you know, we, we have the mortgage covered and the food covered and all the expenses, you know, the needs and the wants. And ironically, when I was growing up, my grandmother actually taught me to save and to, to give. And that was just like, well, what am I doing with the money that I'm saving? She's you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll figure it out, you know, and that concept of, okay, so every time I received money, I always set aside money to save and money to give. But it was funny because my mother didn't adapt to that. <laughs> she more or less went with my dad, whose family was, you know, my grandmother was a widow when my dad was 15 years old and he was the youngest of nine kids. Ooh. So yeah, she had to like really, you know, hustle to provide for the family and the older kids would go to work and help, help my grandma. So there was this dynamics of your family has to take care of you. And if you give your family money, you're never going to get it back. (laughs) So in my family dynamics, there was a lot of taking that was, and that was this extent of the conversation with money. So with me, I actually was the black sheep of the family. And I was just like, I'm just going to pretend money is a person and we're best friends. Because one of the things my mom always said was money goes where money is. And I'm like, I want to be where money is. Well, how Mm -hmm. do I do that? So I would actually visualize this money person. And back then they had this program called the Schoolhouse Rock and they had a, a bill that like a, a money bill that would come and do like a little thing and teaching about finances and how bills get passed in the legislation and things like that. And it was just very memorable. And I thought, oh, so this is how we have fun with money. Like we make it up, we make it a game. So every time I found money, like a penny, like I would pick up pennies all the time and people would be like, oh, don't pick up that penny. I'm like, why? It's money. They're like, well, it's just a penny. I go, well, one more penny in my pocket is better than on the ground or in someone else's pocket. It adds up. You know, and I always think that people look at money as numbers and they get really uncomfortable with the larger the number, the more scared they become, especially when investing in themselves. So I'm talking mm. about like investing in, you know, 10,000 pounds to get acupuncture during perimenopause. Um, I tried that. It didn't work. Uh, I've been postmenopausal since 2017 and massage and float tanks are amazing. (laughs) Talk about, you know, neutralizing the nervous system. Amazing. Just to be in the moment of now. But I did have that money set aside because back in the 90s, someone told me to read the book, The Richest Man in Babylon and follow its principles, which I did. And it worked out amazingly. But with you going back to the 40s, so many women have this midlife, what I like to call crisis. All of a sudden, everything changes and everything that they've done, they realize this wasn't for me. This was for everyone else. And now here's my, here's the hot mess that I'm in. So when you came to that realization, you immediately went into this nervous, nervous system type of coaching. Tell us how you got involved in that. 
Yeah, well, I've been I've been doing a lot of um, like my own personal development work. And then I, I trained in a number of different modalities, including nervous system coaching, because I could see that fundamentally, because the nervous system is like the foundation of the body, that that's where the buck stops, right? If the nervous system isn't feeling safe, then whatever you're coming into relationship with isn't going to feel safe fundamentally. So I got really curious about that. And originally I was supporting a lot of women around sexuality. Women would come to me and say, hey, I can't orgasm. And it would be they'd want techniques. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, "Mm, you can't orgasm because your body doesn't feel safe. Right. Let's create Mm -hmm. safety first so then I just applied those same principles to lots of other different areas of my life I started to apply attachment theory to the relationship with money and so attachment theory basically the premise of it is that in the first two years of life we learn how to create attachment to other human beings based on the type of attachment that our caregivers give us Mm -hmm. and ideally we want to have a secure attachment right where we feel safe and we can trust the other but like 70% of the population has a secure attachment, maybe less actually. And then the remaining population has an insecure attachment, which is either anxious, right? Mm-hmm. Or avoidant or a combination of the two. And I had a combination of the two, where it was like feeling anxious, but then also running away at the same time. It kept showing up in my romantic relationships. And then I realized like, oh, it's also showing up in my relationship with money it was like I would kind of show up in the relational space you know like looking at my bank accounts and then I'd be like oh this is too much and I'd run away and not look again and I was like oh well if I can apply the healing strategy of secure creating secure attachment to myself I've done it in relationship well I can do this in relationship with money as well so the first step was to really just kind of see the extent to which I was in an insecure attachment with money right and it was quite shocking uh you know so like the avoidance is like where people get into debt it's just like oh I'm just not I'm just not going to look right (laughs) it's just I'm just going to keep it at more than arm's length away from me and I'm not going to look at it or there would be this like, oh, I'm going to look at every single penny, but I'm going to feel so activated in my body as I do that, that mm-hmm. I'm going to make like poor choices and decisions about what I do with it. And, you know, like you said at the beginning, you know, that realization, it didn't change everything overnight, right? I've had to really work at creating this more and more secure attachment with money over time so that I do feel that it can show up for me consistently so that I can trust it. So like you said earlier, it can be my friend, Mm -hmm. right? I can feel its kind of presence there. I can feel that it loves me, right? Money loves me. And and for me, money had got really coupled with masculine energy, Mm -hmm. as it does for a lot of women, right? Yes. You know, and so any kind of like trauma with the masculine, I had to heal that as well in order to show up in the money relationship in a place of like safety and grounding in myself. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it was like this staccato relationship. Like, I want you. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. The the dine and dash syndrome and (laughs) the one night stands and nope, we're pushing you away. Silent treatment, all those things. Yeah. 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 So how, how soon after you implemented this strategy did your 
did you see a difference in your money multiplying in your attitude towards money? It was more that I could actually be in relationship with money and not be triggered. And so, of course, when I'm in a place with money not triggered, then I can actually stay there and I can kind of like, oh, on on one level, like energetically open to Mm -hmm. be in the relationship. And then two, be kind of grounded enough in my system to start inquiring into, well, what are the strategies that I need to employ in order to create a better relationship through the business? Like, what do I need to do in my business in order for the for more of this money to come towards me? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and that's just been like incremental, like, oh, I need to change this and need to change my pricing, for example, I need to stop offering just one off sessions. I need to work with a different group of people. I need to, you know, offer more group programs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So there's been this like step-by-step change in the business and it hasn't been overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to kind of lie to anybody. It's been, it's been a lot of little action steps that have mm-hmm. led to, oh, now I've created this vehicle i.e. my business that can receive and it can receive consistently doing what I love to do Mm -hmm. right so I'm not compromising myself in any way which I've done in the past so it feels very clean what's happening yeah and it's so really aligned yeah and it's so important to feel to authentically align with that with the money relationship especially in your business as entrepreneurs you know a lot of the you know what's received in the industry is hustle hustle you know they talk about this 11 to 17 touch points and all of that but in actuality we have a lot of self-sabotage going on because we don't feel worthy to receive the income to work with the clients you know doubting ourselves continuously because Mm. of the money stories that we heard and a lot of people don't connect that they like no it has nothing to do with that I'm just going to go make more money and when I get this income then I'm going to you know do a b and c and it's so important to have that relationship with money especially for new entrepreneurs right to have a system a wealth activation system in place that you know that helps you with the money mindset that helps you with the fear of money you know Mm -hmm. the the idioms that we grew up with and a system that is really clean and clear that when you operate it as you grow, it just helps your money multiply. Mm -hmm. So what has been your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur with multiplying your money? I think one of my biggest challenges has been that my interest is very varied. I don't know if you know about human design, but I'm a manifesting generator, right? So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And so like the body of work I've offered in the last like 11 or so years has has changed. So I, I so I was kind of known for like the sexuality work that I did. And then I was known for like the menopause work that I did. And, you know, now and then the nervous system work and the money work in the business. And so, you know, for me, it's about learning to kind of stay in one place for longer. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> to really like. <laughs> Like I'm that person, I'm still that person and I'm still that person. So that, that's been kind of, yeah, learning to deepen Mm -hmm. and stay interested. Yeah. It's so important. Be persistent and consistent. 
and yeah. really love what you do. And that automatically brings in more money because you can't yeah. help attract your true, your best client when you've stepped into your authentic purpose and you're delivering it from a place of this is fun and I get to do this. So yeah. I, I love that, that you've implemented that and realizing that what you, the work that you're already doing affects not only your, your relationships, but your health and your wealth as well. So it's a yeah. beautiful modality. Um, tell us what's your, what's your offer? At the moment, I have a couple of different offers. One is one-to-one work with me. So it's called Thrive in Business. And it's essentially a program that's uh, based around the body and the nervous system and looking at how do we actually create a body-led business as women, right? So instead of being in the hustle, we actually center ourselves, our needs, our body in the middle of the business, and then we grow from there. So it always gets to feel good. We always get to move towards pleasure. We always get to move towards where it's easy mm -hmm. rather than the hustle, which requires a lot of reprogramming, mm -hmm. work on the deepest level of the nervous system, to rewire so that there can be an, a new orientation towards I feel worthy enough to move towards what feels good mm -hmm. right and then I have another program which is a group program which is called receive which is all about how can we learn to open to receive more wealth and it's both we look at that both from the energetics and the nervous system piece so mm -hmm. healing the developmental trauma that stopped us from feeling safe to open to receive and incorporating strategy so we get to make the shifts within our system and make the shifts in our business simultaneously like one dovetails into the other into the other into the other mm -hmm. that's beautiful what's the best way for our audience to connect with you oh come and visit me on my website or on instagram or on facebook i can you know you'll have all of those links to share yeah, the, the links will definitely be in the show notes. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Catherine, for sharing your money story and the how the nervous system connects with all of that. That's just really intriguing. What words of wisdom would you like to part with? Mm, I'd like to say, you know, to anyone who's listening that sometimes when we're looking to change something as fundamental and as kind of huge as our relationship to money, because it can feel so completely overwhelming, it's like, what's the 1% that you can do today? What's the 1% shift that you can take that feels safe that's going to move you into a closer relationship with money? Mm -hmm. And we just keep then continuing with that 1%. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening, please check the show notes, connect with Catherine. And follow her on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you do social media. And be sure to give us a five-star review. Share it with whoever needs to hear this or any of the other shows. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire. With a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system, you get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. 
Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.